G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As we do on a Monday, we check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. Dan Flynn is Deputy Director of the ACL. Dan is back with us. Dan, welcome back to 2020. Pleasure to be here, Neil. Hey, Dan, uh, some time back we were talking about the move in the ACT to decriminalise illicit drugs. Well, in this past week, that legislation has passed. Give us your insights into what's happened. Well, you mentioned global elites. I mean, this is uh, this is a classic. This is a situation where you have uh, the idea that hallucinatory drugs in the ACT are legal. Uh, obviously, you've got a Greens ALP government. You have no upper house here. Uh, there's 500,000 people in the ACT, so it's probably like a small um, local council in Melbourne or Sydney, but uh, made a significant law. Um, and so people are now free to, yeah, smoke, have... Uh, grow uh, their own marijuana and um, yeah it's a it's the first in Australia we've not seen this uh, make any ingress in Australia before uh, so it's definitely disappointing for the health of Australians and um, yeah just uh, you know part of a bundle of progressive policies uh, that the Greens are keen to see roll out across the country so um, yeah sad to be noting it but it is what it is yeah, very then, as I understand it, uh, the penalty now for possession will be a caution, a $100 fine or a referral to a drug program. Uh, I think people on the spot get a chance to choose, don't they? I mean, this is, this is pretty significant uh, when you've got such low penalties for what we might all appreciate are such dangerous drugs. Yeah, if you, um, you speed in uh, Canberra, the fines are around about $300, so... Um, you know, a $100 fine uh, is a small infringement notice, that's all it is, but they're basically saying, look, this will be, um, you know, cautions or referrals to drug programs, but it's decriminalised in every possible way. Uh, and, um, you know, these, um, uh, obviously, it's not simply um, marijuana, it's in cocaine, um, uh, amphetamines, um, you know, so there's a LSD, if you can believe it. Uh, so it's a lot broader than um, marijuana, it's, and it's a very disturbing matter. And, and you know, contrary to the advice of uh, the Australian Federal Commissioner uh, of Police, uh, Rhys Kershaw, uh, who said that this will make it difficult for police to combat the rise of cocaine and heroin use, and he said, look, these are not recreational drugs. So, yeah, a really damaging week in the ACT. So uh, from where we sit, I mean, you're in Canberra, and right now, if you were in yeah. possession with a small quantity of those drugs, uh, that would be quite legal, uh, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. So there's, uh, there's going mm. to be some ethics questions here, and churches are going to be needing mm. to address all sorts of things, won't they, from the pulpit. Uh, there's all sorts of issues that uh, relate to how Christians will learn how to think about that in the ACT. There absolutely is, Neil, and I think that, um, you know, uh, the family is the bedrock of society and these type of drugs, uh, you know, they, they, they tear families apart. 
you know, uh, anyone who's had their kids on cocaine or amphetamines knows the destruction they bring. It wasn't that long ago until Labor governments around the country were declaring war on drugs um, and uh, war on ice. Well, no longer. Uh, you know, they're opening the gate for it. So um, uh, a very concerning development and something that people should really note if, if Christians have a leaning towards voting for the Greens, uh, this is what you get when the Greens are in power. And it's not as though they're just testing the waters and there's no evidence for what happens. Uh, I've mentioned before in some updates talking about this issue. I've been to the United States. I've been to the state of California. I've seen what happens with homelessness, which is really related to the decriminalisation of drugs there. It's not as though there's not evidence that there's all sorts of dreadful things that happen to a society when this sort of uh, legalisation takes place. Um, it, clearly, though, our legislators are not taking any cues from what's already happened in other nations. No, well, I think they you know, might refer to the concerns that you and I and, and your listeners would have as a sort of a moral panic. And so it's just all about letting down the guards on uh, drugs, um, uh, euthanasia, abortion, uh, gender, anything that is some sort of um, perhaps godly boundary, uh, they must go in this sort of pursuit of an, of an atheist utopia. Um, that's, that's what it is, Neil. That's what they're after. <clears throat> Let's talk through another issue that's developing in the state of Queensland, Dan, and uh, that is around prostitution decriminalisation for Queensland, a little bit similar to uh, some push that's been going on in South Australia, but what's uh, the latest for what's happening in Queensland? Well, there's some draft legislation that's to be before the Parliament uh, by the 27th of November, and uh, in Queensland, Queensland um, uh, has some restraint on prostitution or sex work. It's only legal in licensed brothels uh, or a sole trader working alone. So it's quite confined. And there, there are penalties in Queensland for street-based work. Um, and, um, you know, so it's, it's confined. So the plan here is to, um, you know, uh, basically make it, you know, uh, free in a, and open in the way it is in Victoria right now, that um, uh, street work, um, um, gutter crawling, all of that uh, will be part of the culture. That's what they're trying to introduce. Uh, so again, we ought to be very concerned about uh, the, this progressive politics. And, um, uh, you know, this is a Labor Queensland government bringing this in. There is no upper house, there's no checks and balances on this. So we're very concerned where this will go. But you know, I suppose we celebrate uh, this, Neil. In South Australia, uh, the the good people in the South Australian Parliament have resisted 15 attempts over, you know, probably 15 years to decriminalise prostitution. So that's great work in South Australia. Uh, let's hope we find a few politicians like that in Queensland. But I think uh, there being only one single house, uh, that's not likely. But it does show the bravery of good politicians who will stand up for values we see in South Australia. Um, and, yeah. What seems crazy is that it's somehow promoted as something that's good for women. But as I understand it, uh, the evidence uh, that decriminalisation, uh, when that happens, actually very harmful to women. Any thoughts here from you, Dan? Well, it's the, it's the myth of the empowered uh, prostitute that is brought out by the industry uh, that seek to make money out of it. But the truth is that women caught in prostitution, and they are mainly women, are very disempowered. They're often from Eastern European or Asian countries. 
They often have very little grasp of English. Uh, they often have their passports um, uh, removed from them by these owners. And so these people are completely disempowered and taken advantage of by men uh, who uh, it should not be legal for men to purchase sex. That's an incredible exploitation of women and that, that could be part of the uh, commercial trade uh, in our country uh, whereby taxes are paid from um, is an outrage. There was a model that was being promoted called the Nordic model, and there's been mm. some fine-tuning, some tweaking, name change, mm. to the equality mm. model. Uh, give us your insights here, because it's not as though our legislatures don't have some choices that could actually favour and be good for uh, women and for all society, but they seem to be rejecting those. What are your thoughts on the equality model? Uh, it's it's really taking hold in the Scandinavian countries uh, that have a particular, uh, I think, concern for protecting women. We see it in Sweden, Norway, uh, Iceland. Uh, it's also uh, been passed in Northern Ireland and France recently. So basically what this um, um, way of regulation is, is that um, the punishment, the stigma is on the men who um, it, it would be an offence to purchase sex. Women who are caught in prostitution uh, are not penalised in any way, but they're given a good exit programs to exit the industry and to find, um, you know, um, dignified, meaningful work. So the strategy is um, outlaw the purchase of sex, the exploitation of women, which should be something that all progressives, all feminists uh, agree on. And in fact, many feminists do. And and so that's why the feminists have led the charge on this in the Scandinavian countries. There's some great work being done in the South Australian Parliament uh, and in other groups around the country, Western Australia as well, to see this um, uh, equality model or, some, or known as the Nordic uh, model of regulation being applied. So uh, let's hope that works. It'll help a lot of women and help a lot of families. So there's going to be a battle on in the state of Queensland and uh, I know listeners can hear your heartbeat in all of that. I mean, there needs to be some feminists who might have been battling on all sorts of different fronts for all sorts of different weird and wonderful ideas. Well, here's something that really would benefit women. Uh, time to get on this bandwagon and become part of a battle in the state of Queensland. Hey, I did mention in my... Uh, introduction uh, today a little earlier that a uh, little bit later on I'm going to be talking some more about Fred Nile. Uh, just last week he's announced uh, that he's not standing for re-election in the New South Wales state election that's coming up next year. Uh, you've got your own thoughts on Fred Nile. He's been a great champion of uh, Christianity and righteousness over uh, four decades. Uh, thoughts here on this particularly interesting announcement. Well, thank you for asking, Neil. Uh, Fred Nile's always been a great supporter of the Australian Christian Lobby, and as we both know, his work has predated the Australian Christian Lobby. Uh, his work to uh, lift up the Judeo-Christian ethic to ensure that it's at the basis of all the laws that are passed. Uh, he has been um, a 42, you know, in 42 years in Parliament. That's a massive stretch, um, and um, you know, there's a time for honouring, and I think this time is now. Uh, for someone who's done so much and um, he's an ordinary human being with failings like, failings like the rest of us but has shown what one man can do and um, been a real tower of strength in the New South Wales Parliament. So certainly uh, uh, join with um, 
your listeners, and I know you, you have uh, Mr Bondar on shortly, join with uh, um, your team in honouring uh, Fred Nile, uh, a great contribution to our country. Yes, uh, four decades in the Upper House in New South Wales and uh, a little more honouring to do because uh, he's not finished with his term yet but uh, but certainly that announcement uh, comes with some significance as it was made last week. Hey, before I let you go, um, an inquiry into gender treatments on children. ACL uh, launched a parliamentary petition and uh, it's got some pretty good support coming from uh, supporters. Uh, what are your thoughts here on what's developing so far as the possibility of an inquiry? Look, I think the inquiry is quite possible and uh, what we are seeing at ACL is there are a number of parents who are keen to talk to members of parliament about the concerns they have about their children um, you know, being exposed to uh, transgender narratives, to to, to their own children taking um, you know, chemicals and hormones. So what we're actually finding is that beyond the numbers signed up to this petition, there are a number of um, parents putting their hands up saying, I would love to talk to a politician about that. So hopefully that'll all happen soon and um, uh, these members of parliament will be able to put uh, faces uh, to these stories uh, to, to save our children from... Uh, something that's been inflicted upon them by an ideology spread by social media and, um, you know, a sort of a a trans uh, narrative uh, that really is hurting our children. So, yeah, great to see the development. And again, of course, all the evidence that's developing around the world and a lot of people draw attention to the UK, that Tavistock Gender Clinic uh, basically suspended everything because of the damage for children. Uh, there's lots of evidence developing, isn't there, uh, around the world, Dan, so far as this issue, and that could be a, a foundation for getting that inquiry up to date? Absolutely, and, and we have had people uh, at overseas conferences in the last few months, some of our uh, staff and team, uh, tracking this internationally and uh, trying to get close to the best science and the best uh, political approaches on this issue. Uh, so, um, yeah, we've certainly put time and resources into making sure uh, that this is a, a priority for members of parliament, that their eyes are open to it. Okay, and just quickly too, uh, the truth of it live, uh, Martin Isles and addressing what it is to be living in Babylon. Uh, it's already gone through a fabulous launch, I think, in Sydney, and there's part two coming up pretty quickly now at the Great Hall in Parliament House in Canberra. Uh, that's coming up this Saturday. It's on Saturday the 29th, uh, so this Saturday it's going to be remarkable. So it's in the Great Hall of Parliament House. This is going to be a beautiful presentation uh, by Martin Isles, by John Steenoff from the Human Rights Law Alliance, uh, from many of our volunteers here in Canberra. And um, look, I understand there's a wait list for Canberra. It's basically full. And it's going to be one of the most uh, beautiful presentations people will ever see at that place. So we do certainly ask for people to pray for that event because it's quite significant. And then uh, two weeks later, it will be in Melbourne, at the Melbourne Convention and Entertainment Centre. And there are about 3,000 people who have signed up for that event. Um, and so uh, it's a wonderful tour. And I think people are very much looking, you know, looking forward to Martin's sort of clear theological uh, discussion about the political issues of the day. So it's, these, these events are fascinating and um, 
uh, we're certainly looking forward to them, Neil. It will be significant. So the gathering in the Great Hall at Parliament House in Canberra, it it has sold out. I assume it's being streamed uh, online. Uh, can people get access to that this coming uh, weekend on Saturday? I hope so. Neil will um, resolve all those issues this week, uh, but I think that's likely uh, given that it's sold out. And um, you know, we yeah, we do need to cater for the many thousands of people who you know would like to see this around the country who saw the Sydney one, knowing this is part of a trilogy. The message, of course, will be different. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, people stay tuned. Uh, we'll let them know about a live stream in the next few days. Well, so it'll be a matter of monitor the ACL website, acl.org.au, and you can check out the petition that's uh, functioning there uh, so far as the uh, inquiry into gender treatments on children, and there'll be all sorts of good resource and information that you can access on the Australian Christian Lobby website, acl.org.au. And Dan Flynn, who's Deputy Director at the ACL. Dan, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. That's my pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.